Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you design fast, deliver strong without stress. Welcome to the limited season of the First Time Facilitated podcast to celebrate the launch of my new book, The Two-Hour Workshop Blueprint. Now, if you're hosting a workshop, really what you're doing is you're hosting an event. So I've invited the managing director of an event production company in to share her thoughts in today's episode. Now, I guess today also hosts workshops as well. And she's been diving into the two-hour workshop blueprint. So in this one, we weave in and out of both topics in terms of workshops and events. There's just so much parallel between them. My guest today is the delightful Sally Porteous, and she's the MD of event production company Red Lanyard, where she produces festivals, conferences, events, and meetings. She's the creator of the event planners workshop a series of training coaching and mentoring products to bridge the gap between accredited education and learn by doing now in this episode we discuss sally's story and how she wound up in the world of events which is really built around discovering what your strengths and zone of genius is and sometimes it's not about like a self-discovery it's more about oh other people can't do this this comes so natural to me i love that story that she shares with us today creating the right environment from the beginning of your events and workshops how you can get inspired by simply sitting at a shopping center or if you're in america just sitting at the shopping mall and just observing what actually goes on so some good tips from sally on that as well as a really powerful question or a sequence of questions to end your workshop that really takes the pressure off you having to like run around and try to get people to embed what they did it's very powerful and all about that co-creation Sally also coordinates and facilitates the Event Managers Network, a membership that connects, supports, and networks suppliers and event managers. She has created a pre-event checklist that can help you out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this one at firsttimefacilitator.com. And of course, don't forget to continue the conversation when the show is over by joining our community of over 2,200 facilitators in our free group on Facebook called The Flip Chart. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you connect with Sally. Let her know what your key takeaways were from this one. All right, let's dive right in. I am so excited to welcome onto the first time facilitator podcast, Sally Porteous. Sally, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Leanne. It's so good to be here. I'm a big fan of yours, as you know. We've been in each other's orbit for quite a few years now. So it's really cool to be here with you face to face. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And I think, you know, a lot of this podcast is really about facilitation, but it's also a lot about it is about the event space, right? And, and hosting an engaging event and creating the right environments. I'm really keen to dive in with you on, on those topics as well. Uh, for those listeners who don't know a lot about you, can you share a bit about your background? What sort of watershed moments um, helped you to discover the work that you do today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was a jack of all trades for a very, very long time. Not exceptionally academic, probably the reverse of exceptionally academic. I feel like I'm living life backwards retrospectively. Uh, I started studying uh, at a very mature age, have discovered my passion, you know, halfway through my life. So um, I do feel like I'm living my life backwards, but I ended up, I've been doing events forever. And it's, I guess it's one of those things that a lot of us who have dabbled in a lot of things over time, eventually kind of figure out, oh, this is the thing. This is, oh, people don't know how to do this. And uh, so that was kind of me. I had always done some sort of gathering in every workplace I was in and if they didn't do gatherings I created them so I created the social club or what have you I'm a natural networker I've created my own networking groups since 
I could because I just love being around people. I love hanging out with people and uh, sharing ideas and that kind of thing. And so in 2011, 12, somewhere around that time, I was working with the Public Transport Authority. They had a very major project on the go where they were changing a ticketing system completely from one uh, way of doing things to another way of doing things. And my job was to go out to the community and essentially share this new way of riding on public transport and convince the community that this was a great thing. So being a government organisation, of course, it's something people have to do, but we have to do that community engagement activity to show people that it's easy and better. So that was my job. And when they did finally change it over, there was uh, probably about 13 huge community events where they gave away this product that was going to be used. And um, I got some accolades for the way I ran those events. And uh, from very, very high up in the government, I, I received some yeah, like testimonials, I suppose, from people pretty high up that said they were very happy with how they went because it was very contentious. So it, it could have gone very bad mm. <laughs> very quickly. But like I said, I love gathering people and making sure people have a good time. So that's essentially what my... Uh, you know, what I stepped forward with. And it was after that that I kind of went, oh, other people don't know how to do this. I found that really interesting that it wasn't a common activity. Like, it's not hard. It's fun. What do you mean? It's, you know. <laughs> and someone else in the organisation was doing another part and they essentially used to come to me almost every day and complain about how hard it was how difficult it was to manage the people, how annoying the customers were, <laughs> all of these things. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is awesome. This is the best thing ever. So that's for me, was kind of a moment where I thought, hmm, okay, actually I have been doing this forever and maybe this is something I can do. And at the time I was 43. So I kind of went, oh, finally, this might be a career. I might be able to call myself something. I mean, there's so much, the, the, what I found really fascinating about what you just shared is like, you know, it's your zone of genius when you find it so easy and you can't, you kind of baffled that other people don't really get it. Yeah. Like, but it's also hard to see it as a zone of genius or something special because it is so intrinsic in the way that you operate that you think, is there value in this? Because it's completely normal. I mean, you kind well, of alluded to that. Yeah. We don't, we don't put a value on something that we enjoy. Yeah. So I thought it was a fun thing to do. I proactively went and sought out ways to gather if they didn't, even if I was in an organisation that didn't gather. So to me, that was a lifestyle choice, not a work choice. Mm. It wasn't something I should get paid for. Yeah. It wasn't until they were paying someone a lot more money than they were paying me that knew a lot less <laughs> about uh, than me that I kind of went, hey, wait a minute, this is a thing. Maybe there's something in this. So tell me about those government, um, you said, you know, it could have gone the other way. What do you think you created in terms of the event design that made it go so well? The customer service aspect. So I always, whenever I gather people, do an event of any type, I'm the customer facing person. I'm not the tech person. I always grab someone else to come and do the event with me and they look after the crew, the tech, the back end, all of that kind of thing, because I want people to have an amazing experience. And just talking to people and noticing, you know, noticing if someone's confused, noticing if they're not sure what's happening, noticing, you can just tell by the look on someone's face, whether they 
are in flow, whether they're following the journey that you wanted them to follow. So I suppose creating the environment in the first place is one of the things I talk about a lot. The journey begins, A, in registration, as we know, and I know you're a fan of Priya Parker's Art of Gathering. I'm a huge fan of that book as well. But where we begin that journey, so she talks about the priming and the pre-event side of things. But if you can't get your head around that, get your head around when people arrive. So don't be mucking around with tech. Don't have your head in your gift bag trying to still pack things. Like be well and truly ready and organised because you need to be the concierge. You need to be the air hostess. You know, imagine if you got on a plane and the air hostess or the pilot was still, I don't know, packing bags or putting food away or something like that. You'd be kind of like, what's going on here? Like how organised are these people? So I think be organised and then people feel safe because they're nervous, right? doesn't matter what environment they're coming into, whether it's your party, it could be your dinner party or it could be some corporate event. As people step through over the threshold, they want to feel safe. They want to know they made the right decision and they, they're looking for someone. They're looking for someone to support them straight away. Mm. So I think that was the difference is I wasn't mucking around with post-it notepads or merch to give away or systems or logistics. Mm. I was standing there ready to go, hey, Thanks so much for coming. We're so excited to see you. It's funny you said, I mean, I'm looking at, if you're listening in, like I'm looking at Sally now, she's got a big, big, big smile on her face. And I think, you know, we can read all the books about creating psychological safety, but I think one of the, honestly, one of the basic, most basic things is, are you greeting people with that warmth and that yes. energy and that openness? Yes, absolutely. And- yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it here. I really like how you talk about like crossing the threshold. So like I, you know, I am an extrovert. I love being around people, but you're right. I still feel a sense of trepidation going into any event, like if Me I too. haven't been there before. So let's talk about, I mean, you help people design these experiences and these events. Yeah. What do you think holds people back from creating this a similar experience? Is it time? Is it that they don't know what they need to do? Like what's the challenge? The fear of forgetting something. Totally the fear of forgetting something. And this was an amazing experience I had. I was in a program that encouraged us to do market research. So I put it out on the internet. I had a series of 12 questions. I'd love to talk to anyone who has produced events before, whether it be one or a hundred, and talk about your experience. I had a series of 12 questions. The last two questions were, if you could have anything in your toolbox, money wasn't an object, nothing was an objection. If there was just something you could have that would make you feel like you could just you know, take over the world with your event, what would that be? So many people say checklist. So many people say checklist. Down to, so I had, I people who approached me, it, it blew my mind. And the one that blows my mind the most when I asked this person, what events had they produced before? They said, I used to do the road shows, you know, when the president, this is the president of the United States, you know, when the president or the president not president-elect, whatever they are before that, when they do their road shows and they go out and do their scouting to get people to vote for them to be the president-elect, she ran those. She ran those. And I'm like, and you're talking to me and you're telling me that if you could have a checklist, that's... And I was like, why haven't you got a checklist? I would have a book like I'd have a playbook if that was like they're important events right but without fail I think if I look back on those sheets 90% of them would say a checklist so I don't forget anything Mm. 
And I think that comes down to not wanting to uh, be made a fool out of, look stupid, you know, all of those, you know, you mentioned earlier, those imposter syndrome things. Like I know my stuff. I'm a technician. I know I can stand on stage and talk about what I need to talk about. But what if the AV doesn't work or if I haven't hooked everything up properly or I've missed something in the run sheet or I didn't invite the right person or, you know, those kind of things. And I think people are fearful of that. Mm. They forget, though, that um, oftentimes the venue will help you with all of that. You know, there's people that become a part of your process that you can ask those questions of. Mm. <laughs> you know, you can send your stuff to them and go, you know, when you send your order of proceedings to a venue, they'll pick up whether you haven't left enough time between, you know, entree and main. They'll call you and say, that's not enough time for us to do that. You need to change your run sheet. Mm. So I think that's, anyway, that's the fear of looking silly, being made a fool of, looking like you don't know what you're doing, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of that mindset stuff when it comes to running any type of event. I'm a huge checklist fan. And yeah, for me, exactly what you said before, it's just, I just want to make sure that while we, we can't control any, you know anything really, we can minimize the, the risk of things going wrong if we've got like, and I just need it to have a good night's sleep, to be honest. Like if I yeah. know that things are packed, it's in the boot, got a pair of shoes, like it's all there. I know what I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. So like, how do you like, personally prepare for your workshops or events like what's your preparation like I really love this question because I'm going to confess <laughs> I'm like the mechanic in the mechanics workshop <laughs> my car runs terribly I am the day before kind of person I'm seriously because I only do workshops that are the stuff that I do um, so I'll just caveat that it's the I talk about the same thing and I'm delivering the same knowledge to different groups of people so it's always pretty much all in the same box so I'm not doing my client a disservice by yeah. <laughs> only only looking at their stuff the night before but I am a winget kind of person like I speak better that way I present better that way uh, if I'm trying to follow a script or a program I'll forget something or it'll end up out of order because I've sort of winging it over here, but then I'm trying to follow an order of proceedings over there. So, mm -hmm. however, ta-da! <laughs> this book, your book, the two-hour workshop blueprint, has been a game changer for me. And I'm, I'm just going to show another book here. So these are my, well, actually, and I posted this, and you know that I posted this, because my, when I read a book, I tend to highlight, I like to write all over my books. I don't give them to anybody else. So I highlight all over them and I write on them. And I, when I do that, I corner the page because I think I'm going to want to go back there. I want to remember what I did. Almost every page in your book so far is cornered. So that strategy is not going to work for me on this particular <laughs> occasion. So I have this notebook, right, that I've been putting everything in. And I have a workshop coming up in September, which is on sponsorship, which I've run before. I have a framework that I run through. I wouldn't normally look at this until like the week of, I kind of go, oh yeah, I've got that thing on Thursday. Yep, yep, yep. Doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that. And the night before I would probably pack the stuff that I needed to pack. It'd be 11 o'clock at night and I'd probably be tweaking the presentation. I'd look at the presentation to make sure it still fits that situation but this this has been great because whilst I work well within frameworks I hadn't considered that other people 
would benefit from a framework as well. So far, I'm up to the visual representation of it. And when I'm going to present my workshop, I'm going to be able to share those models that you encouraged us to create. And I think that's going to be the game changer for them. They're going to remember what that model looked like and they're going to go, oh, yeah, that's right. It was a Venn diagram. It was assets, needs, the execution. And then the return on investment is the thing that pulls all those things together. And they will remember that so easily. I'm really just think- trying to get the acronym like E-A-R, earn. I'm just trying to see like an acronym in that. but <laughs> Because, you know, that's why that's so valuable is because they do have to earn the return on investment, right? They do have to earn the return on investment. So often it gets, it's a sell and forget and they're not going to come back. But the disservice you're doing to yourself and that client is you have to keep selling it year on year on year. Whereas if you do it properly, you'll never have to sell it again. They'll just keep coming back. That's a good tagline for your workshop as well. So this is the value of just of having conversation, isn't it? And I know. Um, yeah, and the, and I, I agree with you. Like the value of frameworks, I, I'm the same as you. It's like I think all we're doing is like really gift wrapping in the information, so it's easy to remember. That's how I because I I had to get out of my own head that anyone can create a framework. You don't have to, you don't need a PhD to create one. That was sort of my internal dialogue as well. But yeah, lovely to but hear the you. way you encouraged that though. I think you made it easy. So the framework you used to help us create a framework, which is getting a bit better, <laughs> was super simple though. Even though that sounds really complex. The fact that you used a really simple table to just go, if it's this, use this. If it's that, use that. If it's that, use that. And I was able to look at that in five minutes and go, that's my situation. Oh, absolutely. That's what will work. Let's play with that for a minute. And it worked straight away. I love that. And by the way, podcast listeners, I didn't ask Sally to say any of this. No. (laughs) It sounds like I've got you here to talk about the book, but I'm really, no, this is not not. about that at all. This is all about Sally's work in events. So (laughs) no, no, it definitely was not a paid promotion. (laughs) Oh, you're embarrassing me, but thank you. I mean, I love that. I love hearing that the impact this is having in terms of events. Like, have you, like, are there any sort of stories like you have the favorite event that you've helped to deliver and like what you think made it so magical? Is, Is there any like sort of standout event from your career that you've worked on? Oh, so many, so many, so many, so many. I think the one that was probably going to be the hardest. So I think the most satisfying uh, event I had was probably my first one after rebranding. So when I first decided I was going to be an event planner, I spent a lot of time in festivals and music. So I'd left the music industry as a promoter, but you know, that industry is a bit of a drug and I wanted to stay in there. So I decided I'd launch a merch company and sell band t-shirts that lasted about five minutes because I had no relationships in China. I had no idea how (laughs) importing and, and uh, the world of, uh, you know, t-shirts and all that kind of thing works. So that lasted five minutes, but I think I'm just a jumping person. So if it floats my boat straight away, if I love the person and I love what they're talking about, I'm like, I'm in Let's figure this out. Let's go. And so I, the very first major event I did when I did a rebrand and decided I, I can't do festivals and music anymore because I'm not making any money. I need to do corporate events first. was actually a street festival for a business group in a precinct in Brisbane. And they wanted to remind the community that there was this little village here of businesses. And they wanted to remind the community to come back and shop in this community. They expected to get 
up to a thousand people to come to this event and they had some fairly audacious goals with it but every week we just killed it you know every week we just locked in and locked in and locked in and 5,000 people came to this event and it was 100% community-based so at the beginning all of the businesses were like we're not interested we're not opening so the whole community engagement aspect of getting them on board was successful they all opened and had a booming day all of the stalls so like as we do at all community events we have market stalls every single one of them had to be local mm-hmm. so we had drawn a postcode a perimeter basically to say only people within this postcode can come and sell here in whatever form that they want to sell whether it be a coffee card or a stall or something like that but on that day, you know, just seeing that community on that day and 5,000 people show up, which Man, geez, we didn't tell Brisbane City Council that that many people show up because <laughs> <laughs> we would have needed a whole bunch of other licences if we'd have known that many people were going to come. But we did have traffic control and, you know, health and safety and all of those proper things in place. Um, but I think that was the coolest thing, seeing that community and seeing people see each other when they arrive going oh my god you're here too you're here too and seeing families get together and I love that kind of thing I love connecting connecting people together yeah and I think a lot of um listeners on this podcast I mean I'm I'm in the same boat as well just like that's the reason I picked this sort of career is is that connecting part you said that um that's 5x what you anticipated and what they were expecting that's phenomenal in terms of the attendance but like I mean I'm so curious like how did you get like was it did you individually walk up to businesses were you advertising on Facebook groups like what was that approach I mean what have been I I imagine it was like a multi-pronged so we had an amazing volunteer PR person who lived in the community yeah okay and it was about going out to the local community and going can you help who's here what do you do what skills can you bring to this? So there was someone who lived there who had a PR company and they were amazing at PR, but we let a box dropped. So, so we grabbed volunteers and me and we went in and dropped, like literally walked the streets and dropped, letterbox dropped every house with the opportunities that were available. Because at the time, so that was 2012, home-based businesses were really only just taking off. You know, the whole selling from home and, you know, importing and selling and all that, people working out of their garages. That was only just sort of starting to build momentum, but it was still a bit hidden. So it was about going out to those people and going, we know you're selling from your garage. Do you want to come and bring it out here? You know, do you want to come and sell it to the rest of the community? Mm-hmm. So letterbox drop. And yes, I I went and visited the local businesses for about four weeks in a row to just go and sit in their business, shop in their business, spend time in there, just keep talking to them, even the ones that were like super duper resistant. How can I help you be open? Oh, it's not worth it. We can't afford to pay people, blah, 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 blah. Well, how can I help you do that? So I really invested in, because if they didn't open, it just, to me, it was just against the whole point of the activity. So even though there was a local business association, you know, you've always kind of got those fringe businesses that are anti what's happening Mm. so and I guess that probably goes back to the public transport thing and why I love that so much is because I love convincing people that something's good (laughs) so when someone goes that's a bad idea I'm like let me show you that it's not (laughs) and how do you I mean because like a lot of us want that superpower is it because are you naturally just curious are you talking because I think are you talking about what's in their self-interest or are you just so passionate about it that that 
um I is contagious i know it'll work for them yeah you know, okay yeah. if they if they didn't open on sun on that sunday they wouldn't get the follow-on yeah. And we know in shopping centres, even today, like when you go to a shopping centre today, if they're not made to open on a Sunday and only one or two shops are open, it's dead as a doornail and you're not really going to go back there. I look at everything like shopping centres. <laughs> yeah, I, I, everything is framed in my mind as if I'm a customer in a Westfield or something like that. It's like, how do I walk in? Which way do people turn when they walk into a shop? How do they navigate a shop? It's That's a really interesting metaphor i mean I, and i think we can apply that to the workshop experience as yeah. well like yeah. and you had know, even parking like how yeah. easy is that yeah. there's there's a grocery store down the road for me i just hate going there because the parking it there's a line in a jimmy um jimmy barn song he said car parks make me jumpy like this car park makes me really really jumpy <laughs> so, yeah. i'm like that when i go to sunny bank yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. It's so, crazy and busy. And yeah, I, I just think they have invested billions of dollars in uh, researching the customer experience. Mm. So go sit in a shopping center for half an hour in a coffee shop and don't look at your phone. Just watch that shop over there. Like watch H&M or one of those big brands and have a look at how they've designed it and notice what people do. And you will notice people walk in and they turn left. They navigate, and you will start to see how they navigate the store. And you can create your event in the same way. You direct people to where you want them to go. Interesting. That's a really good, actually, yeah. I mean, if anyone listens to this and ends up sitting in a shopping center, take a photo, yeah. tag Sally, tag myself. Yeah, do that. You're do doing that. the research. Yeah. I didn't know that that the left thing, but I'm even thinking as, as you say that, like, what is, yeah, you're right. I mean, you left. <laughs> yeah, we do it. Like you'll, yeah. you'll start to notice yourself. You'll walk in and you'll step and you'll go, no, I'm going to turn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a rebel. Yeah. So, I mean, events, like, I mean, when we're a workshop host, we, some of us, we're like, we're solo operators. So we're facilitating, we're also setting up, we're also doing the tech and everything else. How do you manage things when like, there's so much going on in an event in terms of keeping calm and doing what you need to do? How do you manage all the things that are going on um, during your events? Well, the venues then help you for starters. Mm, so yeah. typically we're in spaces where there is at least one venue staff member that can help you out. So as far as the hospitality, so be, be prepared, get there super early. So I do an event, for example, that starts at 11.45. I'm on site at nine o'clock because I want at least 45 minutes, if not an hour, before doors open, before people arrive to just, you know, just chill for a second because everyone arrives at once and you want to be calm and you want to be able to be welcoming and relaxed as people come you don't want to be running around like a mad idiot because you're just going to transfer that energy onto them they then become anxious like oh am I in the wrong place have I am I at, is it the right time is it am I at the right door so you want to make sure that when people arrive they feel in control like you are so to do that, just have plenty of time. Like don't rock up half an hour beforehand. Don't rock up even an hour beforehand. Give yourself as much time as you can. Try and get access nice and early to the venue and be set up, you know, at least an hour beforehand. As far as if you can get someone to come and help at the welcome desk, I highly encourage you to do so. Even if you just jump on Airtasker and grab, you know, someone for a couple of hours, 
just to do that welcome part that goes, hi, you're in the right place. Here's the materials that you need. Help yourself to some refreshments over here. And you, as the facilitator, are over there where the refreshments are talking to people. Mm. Because that's where your relationship building and your connections already start. If they haven't already started in the preamble, obviously. But I see this so often at uh, things like sales seminars. You know, you've been invited to something for free and you know someone's going to pitch you a product, but it's a free workshop of some sort. And people do it online as well. They don't jump online early. You know, they're not in there 15 minutes early having a chat to people. They rock up on time. But that's when you're going to get the stories that you need to have the conversations in your event, your facilitation or whatever else it is that you're doing. And that's how you'll be able to go, I was just talking to Joe earlier. He told me this story about blah. If you're mucking around with the tech, and tech's not hard today. Tech is not hard. If you don't, I think if it's something you struggle with, get someone to teach you. Just get someone to go, like you could ring call computer geeks or something like that and just say, I'm going, I do presentations, you know, once a month. I need someone to come and show me how to hook my laptop up to a projector and screen. Most of them are generic, like they're super easy. So mm. then that person will say, for your laptop, you need, here's your laptop, you need this cable and this cable and this one, and I would take that one just in case. Yes. And then you can have a little, get them to do you a checklist with pictures, right? Take a picture of your laptop ports, you know, even the ports on a projector <laughs> and just like get it done super early, mm. get it done super early. Mm. But I will say in terms of AV, I don't think I've ever, ever been to a presentation where what is being shown on the screen is critical to the outcome I'm going to get. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. don't, if it's taking you more than five minutes to fix it, drop it and just get back to presenting because you'll lose people unless what you're showing is absolutely critical. And I would be, I would be very surprised unless you're a doctor and you're showing a medical procedure on a video and it's saving someone's life. I don't think what you're presenting is critical. Yeah. And I think you're right. But what you spoke about before in terms of like the whole, like if you're an expert, you can wing it because you can be in that sort of flow if you've got if you're sort of wedded to the technology and what you have to show it, that's kind of it restricts your freedom yeah in terms of that presentation as well and I, I mean something I even wrote about like let's break that assumption that a workshop equals a powerpoint deck it actually does <laughs> let's break that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the only reason I use it now so I do this workshop on taking your event from idea to launch and the only reason I use it now is because I frame up what I want people to do. And then I have a basic version of that question on the screen. So if they've forgotten the task, they can look at the screen and go, oh, that's right. I was meant to be focusing on this. Yeah. Okay. So they know where they're meant to be in, the, in, in that order. In terms of your workshop, do you have a favorite sort of opening or energizer welcoming activity that you run? Well, it depends how many people are in it. Because people are coming to mind with something in mind, so they're coming, they want to do something, they want to create some sort of change. The challenge I have is I get really into what they're doing. So I tend to ask the person, uh, I ask the room, uh, let us know what your name is and what it is you want to create. So just in, in a few words, let us know 
what kind of gathering are you here to brainstorm and that you want to create? And so many people in the world are doing the coolest, coolest things. I have to resist the temptation to go, oh, tell me more. Yeah. You know, oh, I really want to help you do that. Because it's just, you know, the last one I did, there was a young bloke there who was a police officer and he was creating workshops for, so in the um, Kiwi and Samoan community, they don't get support when they come out of incarceration, the young kids, they just come straight out. So he was creating a series of workshops. So when they come out of incarceration, they have somewhere to go, they have a support network to go to every week and make sure that they basically reassimilate back into society. And I just thought, oh my God, this is amazing. Can I help you do that? And I wanted to hear more about it. So so my, my tactic is essentially I get people to go around the room say who they are but then I also have a closeout activity as well and this is something that I learned at university and I think you know Michael Donovan as well I think oh well you should know him he's amazing but he he used to run this activity as an opener uh, when we would go into, into a lecture and it was basically how good was your week what happened in your week um, but the two things that really resonated with me was what do you need help with and who can you help? They, those two things. Um, and they were at every lecture. So it made you think about other people. And so now what I do at the end of the workshop, given if there's time, now that you've heard everybody in the room, is there anyone you want to connect with who can either help you or you can help? And um, I get people to go around the room and say, I still need help with X or hey, that thing you're doing over there, I'd love to help you with that. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, well, most of the the stuff, I'm, the workshops I'm doing, they are community-based things people yeah. are doing. But even if they're not community-based, they're still groups of people gathering to give a transformational experience to someone. So, Yeah, and I think what I really love about that question, so thank you for sharing that because I'm totally going to steal it (laughs) or even adapt it. And I think listeners will be like, wow, what I love about it, because a lot of, you know, when I, on this show, I've asked previous guests sometimes, like, how do you embed the learning? You know, and something I talk about is it's really out of our control. Once people have left our workshop, we can plant seeds, we can do what we can to try and help them to do the thing and take action, but we're not there to be over their shoulder and do that. But what I love about this question is it connects people within the group to help embed it and buddy up and take it forward. I, yes. I think that's the real strength of that question is it yeah. puts the, it shares the, that accountability. And yeah. if they're and, not and, comfortable yeah. doing that, so the, the one sheet that's at the end, and this is the beauty of what Michael did at the end of, so we did a, a, a program together and um, when you presented what you did. And so I get people to, if, as long as there's time, I also get people, after I've gone through our exercise, if they're comfortable doing so, I get people to stand up and present because the exercise I do is essentially getting your ideas and putting it in boxes so you can tell the story. Because when you need to get support, funding, tell someone about what you're doing, if it's a creative enterprise, we're often going all over the place when we're sharing what it is that we're doing and people are like, I don't understand. What is it? Who's it for? So this exercise helps you put it in boxes to go, here's what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, who it's for, how much it's going to cost, where it's going to be, just boom, boom, boom. So when you find yourself in front of someone who's a potential funder or supporter and they go, so what are you up to, Leanne? What are you doing? You can go, 
well, I've just got this book and I've written this book for these people and I'm going to do this book launch and here's where I'm going to do it and why I'm going to do it. And this is what's going to happen for people when they get it. So you can just kind of roll that out super quick. So I get them to stand up at the end, present that if they feel comfortable to do so. And then I get the rest of the group. And this is the beauty of what Michael shared with us the rest of the group gives their feedback and it's a form I'll send it to you I'll give it to you so people can download it I created created a form and it's basically here's what I think is amazing about your idea here's what I think you could explore a little further so it's in kind words and there's a couple of other things on there that I can't remember off the top of my head but I've still got mine from 10 years ago wow 10 years ago I did this workshop with him and the value of what people gave back to me, you don't have to put your name on it. It can be anonymous, but you walk out of the room with however many people are in that workshop with their feedback going, wow, that's amazing. Okay, that's what people thought I said. Yes, yes. Uh, and I, I mean, it's just magic because it's imme- not magic, but it's immediately applicable it, yeah. and helpful and useful. And plus, yeah, well, tick, tick, tick. That's yeah. great. And it's, well, and- yeah. It's more than just the facilitator too. It's more than just me yes. in the front of the room going, oh, do this, do this, do this. That's amazing. Try that. And it supports people who don't feel comfortable to speak up. Yep. If they've got a great idea for you, they may not tell you because they're not comfortable going, hey, here's what I think. But they can write it down in the end and go, that's my little idea for you. You know, I love it. Yeah. It's just co-creation, hearing all voices, inclusive. It just... This is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this. I mean, your workshops oh. sound great. Um, if we, yeah. if we've got listeners that want to, you know, take their event idea and, and take it into launch mode and, and want to find out more about your work, Sally, where can we send them? To LinkedIn is probably the best place. Uh, so you'll find me at Sally Porteous on LinkedIn. So it's just my name, um, which I'm guessing will be in your show notes, but P-O-R-T-E-O-U-S. Uh, as my son would say, gorgeous with a P and a T is how you spell out today. Love that. <laughs> I know, right? Corny. But I think LinkedIn's probably the easiest place to go. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll put a link uh, to that that form you were talking about as well and anything that you mentioned on this show. Um, Sally, thank you so much for being here. I mean, you've really drawn out the parallels. I I mean, we are, as workshop hosts, we are event hosts. We are event designers as well. So you've given us lots of great ideas to start thinking that way as opposed to thinking about the skills and the experience, you know, just the knowledge. It's about creating that experience as well thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on the show thank you for having me oh I'm so excited I'm so excited I'm really pleased to be here and um like I said we we kind of connected all those years ago didn't we at that amazing workshop and we've just kind of been hanging around each other for a little while so it's really nice to connect with you more personally so thank you yeah no awesome thanks Sally and look, anybody can chat with me at any time. Send me a message. If, well, I'm on your flip chart um, group on Facebook as well. So people can find me on there and ask me any questions about how to design stuff, create stuff. Wow, what an offer. Thanks so much, Sally. Thanks, William. Okay, bye.